A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today, Denmark come alive to reach the last 16 with a stunning win over Russia. The Netherlands ask for some respect and we'll examine the so-called chaos in the England and Scotland camps ahead of their final group games. This is the game Euro 2020. Remember, if you love what we do, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of our daily shows. And also make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game. Remember, you can get it for less than £1 per day to start your free trial. Uh, Joining me today, I'm Hugh Wissencroft, of course, Matt Lawton, Gregor Robertson and Henry Winter. Gentlemen, how are you? Very well, Hugh. Good, good, thanks, Hugh. You all sound delighted. Keeping the theme going, it's fine. Doesn't hurt my feelings whatsoever. Let's get straight into it. If last night showed the worst of the format at Euro 2020, then maybe tonight was the best of it. Everyone's adopted second team Denmark with a really special evening in Copenhagen. A big 4-1 win over Russia, coupled with Finland's 2-0 defeat by Belgium, means the Danes go through as runners-up in Group B. Matt, it was was a magical evening, wasn't it? It was brilliant. Um, you know, I, I, I watched the game, and um, you know, Denmark was just, um, you know, it, it, it was just fantastically dramatic. You know, the, you know, the situation where the news, the fans in Copenhagen started getting excited because there was news that Belgium had scored. Then, then it turns out that goal's been disallowed, and it's still nil nil against Finland. Then the Russians get a penalty. Um, you know, Castro Michael, you know, bless him, just just thought the world seemed to be tumbling down on top of him. And 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 then, you know, he gets beaten beaten by the penalty. Um Russian captain hit it straight at him. And and, you know, as most goalkeepers do, he he picked a way to go and it was uh if he just stood still he would have saved it. Uh and and suddenly things were looking precarious again, but then they just kept attacking and 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 you know the, the the goal that Christensen scored. You know there was a it was a fantastic save to start with from the Russian keeper. Then he saved again from close. It's then cleared and Christensen absolutely fires this rocket into the back of the net. It was just just brilliant. And and, and then they scored again four one. It was it was a sensational game. And as you said, everyone's second team now. What a story! And 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 the fact is, they're now going to play uh, Wales at the weekend, and it's the two Leicester City keepers against each other. It's a great story. The Leicester seen Danny Ward of course in a Leicester City shirt. Uh, Henry Denmark have shown over the past two matches especially the game against Belgium I think where they were brilliant for the first 45 minutes that they can recover and almost use Christian Eriksen's cardiac arrest and the emotion of that as a real positive to I guess have this snowball effect throughout the rest of the campaign. Yeah I mean that's a sort of classic sort of sports pages narrative to something like that. I mean I, I'd rather sort of in a way sort of separate the two 
and just think that what um, Ericsson is going through is just, you know, that is a battle that he's got to fight, him and his family and his doctor. And I just think the focus should be out of the ground on the, uh, you know, just on him getting better, sorting out his life, obviously then taking um, support from the emotion of the fans and from the players. But the players, have, I, I understand that, sort of the adrenaline of what they're doing. And I tweeted earlier tonight, you know, they're, they're showing their character through adversity. But, you know, they've, they've got to be completely 100% focused on, on the football. They can't, you know, it's, it's a difficult juggling act. You know, they've got good players there. They've got strong characters. I mean, we saw Simon Kier and we saw Kasper Schmeichel as well. So I just think it's fantastic. And you just saw the, uh, you know, the support there as well. And it was, uh, you know, that was quite a game tonight. And as, as Matt said, I mean, I was working on England tonight, but I sort of caught the highlights later on. And that, that Christensen goal. And it, here's, here's a glimpse into the, uh, to the Danish mindset. When England played out there, uh, a few of us went out in whatever it was, October. And the, we, we were obviously flying back the next day to England. And the English-based uh, Danes were on the same flight back. And they would just lay back, come over, have a chat. I don't know Christensen, but I know Kasper Schmeichel. And there were about three or four of them there. And they were just, they were just like sort of fellow travellers. I, I admire that even more because not only are they professional footballers, obviously living in their elite bubble and doing their amazing things through sport, but they actually, they seem to be pretty grounded people as well. Uh, Gregor, let's talk about Russia. Awful again. But they go home, bottom of the group, on the same number of points as second place Denmark. Maybe this is one of the strange things about uh, this third place qualification because Finland, of course, wedged in between them. They will be going through. But in the end, Russia didn't deserve anything. It was a really poor performance from them. Yeah, they've been pretty pretty disappointing, really. They kind of basically trying to trying to find Juba up front and didn't do so often enough. And he just seemed pretty isolated. Moranchuk looks like he's got, you know, he's he's got some ability and if there's anything going to come you know, anything positive going to happen, I think it was going to come through him. But they, they, they were very poor, really. And, you know, I think Denmark Denmark deserved to be second. Their, their display against Belgium was outstanding. I take what Henry's saying about these two things should be separated. But for me, there was no question that they were they were fueled and energised and hugely emotional about what had happened. And that, that reflect, was reflected in probably the first hour of their performance. And I think probably it was reflected tonight as well. I think... As I say, I thought they were thought they were outstanding. Full, you know, there was energy in the stadium as well. You could see that just from home. You could see, you know, obviously they're allowed a, a full crowd, which is which helps. But there was huge energy there, and everyone and you saw them kind of. Well, I thought anyway. I think we all thought that they were trying to to phone Christian Eriksen on the pitch at the at full <laughs> time. But it turns out they were just being very kind of prim and proper and just waiting for the final whistle to blow in when the Belgium game, and then they then they could uh, tear off and cheer and uh, celebrate with the crowd but no brilliant story very up hugely uplifting and kind of a great positive after the the the, the huge shock of that of that moment seeing, seeing Christian Eriksen lying on the pitch fighting for his life not sure how Covid secure it was to have half the crowd drench Paulson with beer when he uh, tapped in <laughs> that second goal but there you go uh, plenty to celebrate at, in Copenhagen it sets up a huge game this Saturday in Amsterdam delighted to say I would be going out there to see Denmark rewarded with a knockout tie against Wales. It will be a great match, but it is bad news as far as I'm concerned for Rob Page's side because I really felt 
if it was either Finland or Russia, we would be guaranteed Wales going through. It's a much tougher tie, Henry, this time around. Do you think they can do it? Why not? You look at the camaraderie that the Welsh have got. You look at the, their sprinkling of elite talent. Gareth Bale, possibly his last tournament. I don't know what his plans are for, for, for the World Cup, but he can rise to an occasion like this. I mean, Ramsey, I thought, has been superb. Ben Davis, you look at the, the way he's delivered at the back, Meffen, Roden, individuals like that. I think there's, you know, there's, there, there is quality throughout, and it's, it's just one of those things. And, and looking at it slightly from an English perspective, and in, in a way, it's a slightly envious English perspective, that you look at the Welsh in this European Championships and the last, and when they put on that Welsh shirt, it's, it almost makes them stronger. Whereas too often with England, not actually, apart from recently, so often under Gareth Southgate, but the shirt can inhibit England, whereas I think it absolutely inspires the Welsh. There is that bond with their, four, you know, you're out there in, in Baku, there are 500 fans out there, you know, the, the scenes of celebration, the noise the fans were making, the singing of the, uh, of the national anthem, one of the great national anthems, the Pasha, and we know that the Welsh are great singers anyway, but it was just, it's just... You can just see the sort of, you know, the visceral element to, to, to when they play, as well as having that individual technical quality. And and it, was it was it one of the Italian people? I think it might have been Gazetta, was kept on questioning Dan James. But I actually think he's been mm. pretty, you know, you were out there. I think he's been pretty decent in this tournament. Very I think good, he's, yeah. I, I just think his work rate has just been phenomenal. You can debate the final ball as Manchester United fans will do eternally. But I think that pace and that work ethic is just, it's, it's fabulous to see. So absolutely, they've got a chance against the Danes. Yeah, really surprised to see. Actually, the thing they criticised most about his game was his work rate, because I think he ran himself into the ground in both Wales okay, games yeah. so far. And I think he's got a lot more to give as well in this competition. And just moving on to the day's other games, uh, before we move on to England and Scotland, Belgium, as I say, beating the pretty spirited Finland side, especially their goalkeeper, two goals to nil. Three wins from three for them, the same as their neighbours, the Netherlands, who topped Group C. It was another good win for them. They, they beat North Macedonia comfortably. Frank de Boer's team, I think they're starting to hit a rhythm that makes them genuine contenders in Euro 2020. They're a bit like Italy for me. Everyone seems to know their role in the eleven. But also, there's no real standout superstar. Matt Lawton, what do you make of the Dutch? Yeah, they're 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 very impressive, and and the way that they have, you know, they've had a managerial change, you know, not not that long before the tournament because of um, Koeman's departure to to Barcelona, and they, um, you know, they they, they, they they do look very impressive and you got to say when you do you know you just mentioned them yourself Hugh I, I watched the Italians as well and you know we talk about England's progression in this tournament there's some extremely good teams you know and 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 they're you know Belgium as well they're all looking extremely strong and um, the idea that um, you know with the home advantage that England can go a long way in this tournament I think it's a massive challenge because we're, we're just seeing like the Italians are now what thirty games unbeaten, and um, and and the Dutch, likewise, just look incredibly strong. In, in, you know, just a, a brilliant unit, really dangerous. It's the variety, variety of goals as well. You know, they score blistering counter attacks, lovely little interplay around the around the edge of the box, and little kind of pass and move. Um, and Wijnaldum, Wijnaldum, Wijnaldum liberated as a more attacking midfielder. You know, he's for Liverpool. He's always. 
he's uh, very effective at it, but he's the engine. He's the engine. He's part of the engine room. He's kind of making, following in shots, getting into the box. He's been been brilliant. Three goals so far. Um, I just I I think they've been the most entertaining team. I don't think I don't necessarily think they're going to win it, but I think they've been the most entertaining team to watch because of the kind of speed and abandon almost they play with. Um, as I say, whether that's going to make them take them take them all away or not, I'm not so sure. Hugh, you say they've got no star, but I mean, Memphis Depay has been sensational. Uh, you look at Denzel Dumfries, and and as, as Gregor says, I mean, Wijnaldum, I, I know we're sort of used to seeing him in a slightly different position at Liverpool, but when he joined Liverpool, one of the Dutch papers went through all the 10 different outfield positions that he had played. You know, he's played across a back three, he's played across a back four, he's played across, you know, four three three, the classic sort of Dutch way. He's played left wing, white wing. He's, I don't think he's actually played centre four, but he's played as a sort of false nine. He's just such an intelligent player. And I, I, I just found it so sort of slightly confusing throughout the last year at, uh, at Liverpool why they didn't give him the longer contract, the bigger money, whatever it was to keep him. So I think he's just a fabulous player. He's got a fantastic injury record, or lack of injury record. I, I think he's an absolute superstar. He's a leader. It's interesting. I mean, just sort of coming back into the sort of club sphere, if you actually look at Klopp and how that Liverpool team ticks over, Klopp would so often talk to Wijnaldum. He would be his sort of brains on the pitch and, and Liverpool will miss him. We've not even mentioned Frankie de Jong. I mean, what a player he is. It's like, yeah, so no, yeah, I do understand what you're saying. It's not kind of, they don't have a kind of necessarily a talisman or anything like that, but they have some real talent, real talented players. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed watching them. The strength is in the team. That's all yeah. I meant. The strength. Yes, I yes. wasn't trying to say Italy didn't have any good players either, but I think the strength is in the unit and the way that they play together rather than hoping that they will have this huge talisman take them to the fore. But it does, it does for me, I think their performance in particular, it almost suggests that we've got a twist in the tail with this European Championship. And we've had them before, so definitely something to look forward to. And up next, we will look forward to tomorrow's games involving England and Scotland. But remember, Italy will be facing Austria. That's on Saturday. The first knockout game will be Wales against Denmark in Amsterdam as well. 
So on to massive games to come on Tuesday with the closing matches in Group D. The Czech Republic currently top with four points ahead of England on goal difference. There's Croatia and Scotland both on one point. The big news, though, ahead of the game between Croatia and Scotland at Hampden Park is that the man of the match versus England, Billy Gilmore, has tested positive for COVID-19. We wish him a speedy recovery, of course, but he will be isolating for 10 days. His Chelsea teammates, Ben Chilwell and Mason Mount, are described by their manager, Gareth Southgate, as being quite a doubt for England's game with the Czech Republic at Wembley after interacting with Gilmore at the end of that draw last Friday night. Now, Matt, I'm going to start with you on this one because I just don't know what's going on, really. Why are these two isolating from the England squad, but none of the other Scotland players? Well, I think because they're supposed to socially distance when they're in the dressing rooms even, aren't they? Uh, Even though that's slightly ridiculous given that they jump all over each other when they're playing and and they do anything that is a cause for celebration but the fact is what we do know is that um is that um the two England Chelsea lads did spend quite a long time in the tunnel after the game uh talking to to Gilmore and that has been considered to be uh too close for comfort if you like it's it, it's I have to say I was watching it on Friday night and look I think we we're, we're all sort of relaxing a bit now when we're not quite as um as mindful of of the protocols as we perhaps were a few months ago but I know I'm still fist pumping everybody um and I, I you know even the managers even even Gareth Southgate and Steve Clark sort of embraced and hugged at the end of the game and I was thinking that they, they they've slightly dropped the ball here when when actually um you know they've gone to such lengths to create this bubble that each team is in, and 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 you know we talked about this last time I was on about the fact they can't see loved ones after the game, and they can't they can't um, um, you know that there are members of the FA media team who aren't allowed to leave the bubble to 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 to, to sort of engage with journalists and things like that, and and yet it got to the end of that match against Scotland, and and all of that was abandoned, and 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 here we now are. Henry, is there an inside scoop on this in today's times? Will Chilwell and Mount be playing for England tomorrow night? It's a decision that we made tomorrow morning. It won't be made tonight. I mean, as Matt alludes to, the uh, the two of them, slightly naively, I can understand their desire, and it's, it's a sign of the sort of camaraderie at Chelsea, their, their desire to go and congratulate Billy Gilmore, sort of, you know, up-and-coming, fantastic young player at Chelsea. But Mount and Chilwell should have been slightly more aware of the protocol. I mean, to spend 25 minutes is quite a long time in the tunnel. And that, and that is the issue from the Football Association's perspective, is that they are, it's not out of doors. So everyone's been making, you know, I've, I've, I've watched all the sort of news reports and, I, and everyone's been saying, well, hang on a sec, they were, they were outside. That is allowable. It's the it's the sort of you know the fact that they were inside. I think there's also a, and this was something that Southgate was slightly alluding to, and it, maybe it's something that he's going to have to have an internal discussion with the Football Association and their protocols versus the SFA protocols. Is that it looks like the F, you know, the Football Association is being tougher. I don't think it's a public health England thing as the uh, as uh, you know the sort of the, the various briefings that have gone on tonight uh, would indicate i think it's more an, an fa and the fa being absolute sticklers to, uh, to to protocol where the scots seem to have been maybe you know maybe they've not sort of focused so much or maybe simply the mount chilwell gilmore 
25 minutes was just considered uh, excessive. And that's why those two have been uh, told to sort of isolate as a precaution. And unfortunate for Billy Gilmore, who's tested positive. And, you know, we've got to remember there's a sort of slight medical situation in, 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 in the center of this. And you, everyone has to wish Billy Gilmore well. But, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not great, particularly when Southgate's worked with Mason Mount on set pieces and now he's got to, he doesn't know probably until tomorrow morning whether he'll bring Jude Bellingham in or not. We'll come to the England game in more detail in a moment's time. But as you know, we never want to be accused of unfair bias here on the game podcast. So the, the eve before uh, both England and Scotland play, of course, we've got to level things up. So joining Gregor Robertson on the Scottish side is Michael Grant. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Hugh. Yeah, excellent. Thanks. Let's talk about Billy Gilmore. Huge miss given his performance against England. Do you think we'll see him again this tournament? And is there anyone in that squad that can fill his boots right now? Uh, I think it would be extremely unlikely that we'll see him again this tournament, much though I would love to. I mean, you're pretty much talking about Scotland having to get to the quarterfinals for uh, Billy Gilmore's isolation to be over and for him to come back. So not only will he miss the Croatia game, <coughs> which Scotland must win to get to the last 16, but he'll miss the last 16 round as well. Um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's absolutely ironic. I mean, after the after his performance at Wembley, you know, a few of us were saying, you know, th- th- this guy's going to be in the Scotland team for for ten years. There's no reason for him ever to not be playing. And lo and behold, he misses the very next game. Um, I mean, the piece I've written for the paper. Uh, to preview the match inside I'm basically saying you know Scotland just have to pack Billy Gilmore in, in terms of the game tomorrow night you know he's 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 our future but he's not the present I mean you know Clark has to come up with an alternative midfield and um, perhaps even an alternative way of playing against Croatia um, without that um, that little triangle that, that works so brilliantly for Scotland at Wembley between um, uh, McGregor, McGinn and Gilmore. Now, I think that he might move Scott McTominay back into the midfield, having played him in defence against England, um, and, and keep him in with McGregor and, um, and McGinn. It, it's a slightly different dynamic, but I mean, McTominay played well as, as well in, in London, and um, Liam Cooper would come back into the defence. Gilmore's an enormous miss. I mean, he was, he was, he's been the, become the new kind of talisman of the side, which sounds ridiculous at 20 and, and having made only one start, but there was just so much attention and and uh, goodwill towards him, and to be honest, th- that may have even been been a contributory factor in him in, in him getting the virus because. I think he was such a centre of attention afterwards that there was a lot of kind of fussing around him and it's quite possible that um, someone has unwittingly given it to him then and um, as you as you say his his pals, his two Chelsea pals were in a long conversation with him and, and, and I think Matt's right when he talked about perhaps the guard was just dropped you know after the game everybody's uptight about Covid, we're all having to jump through hoops to get into press conferences and um, show negative tests ourselves and numbers are limited but I think maybe after the heat of battle and they're all just kind of embracing each other and you know warriors leaving the battlefield all that sort of stuff I think maybe somebody then should have come along and said lads you cannot you cannot talk together for this long um, even though it's perfectly natural for pals to be catching up again after not seeing each other for perhaps a month. Mm, but yeah, it could have been a lot shorter, couldn't it? Gregor, a lot of people saying this is just Scottish bad luck once again. What do you think? <laughs> Johnny Northcroft tweeted, didn't he? I think it's so very Scotland, this. Um, you know, we, we find a new star and, and he's uh, he's taken away from us. 
it's devastating. Yeah, for him as well. I mean, it, you know, came on after 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 the England game and just sang his praises for probably far too long. And um, but he was he's just something very different to what we've to what Scotland have had I've ever had really for as long as I can remember. Um, the one thing I would say is he, he plays in a position that Scotland's biggest strength. And we have options. And I just hope and pray to the Lord above that he does not bring Scott McTominay out of the back three. I said, you know, I keep, I must sound like a broken record, but it's about getting the, our best players on the pitch. I actually think keeping him there is more important than the player he replaces Gilmore with because they're all good. David Turnbull's had a really good season at Celtic. He could, he could play in an advanced role and McGinn could drop back one. Armstrong could play in that role. They could kind of just reform, you know, reformat it slightly, and Armstrong could come in. He's quite a versatile player. John Fleck could come in as a bit more of a like for like, and he's you know he's still someone who can play in tight areas and can play forward. So we have options there at the back. If you play, if you take Matomini out, you're playing putting in someone like Liam Cooper or Henry, and they are not they are not in that group that you would say are the best players are Scotland's best players so and the back keeping the back three strong and it looked strong the other night that's the most important thing we've got to have a solid foundation so I just hope and pray that he that he, that he sticks with McTominay there can't imagine Steve Clark the manager would have wanted to change the starting 11 after all the plaudits they received after that draw against England uh, Michael it is a huge game against Croatia it's not the Croatia of old we've seen that already how confident are you that Scotland can win this game and, and improve on their last result as well? Oh, how confident am I? Gee, <laughs> I, think, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Hugh, to be honest with you. I think it's a really hard game to call. I don't think... Um, I think Scotland at their best are certainly capable of beating Croatia. I watched the Croatia-Czech game in full uh, this afternoon, having not had the chance to do it earlier. And... Um, you know, listen, they still have danger. I mean, Modric is still quality. I, I really like Perisic. I can see him being a guy that w- could cause Scotland problems. Um, but overall, they weren't that impressive. Um, you know, they, they, they weren't able to uh, put away the checks. I know, I know that we couldn't either. But, uh, you know, I, I would look at our side and think that even without Gilmore, this is a better side for us than, than we had against the checks because Tierney's in it. You know, um, that was an option we didn't have in, the, in, in when we lost the opening game. And you cannot underestimate um, uh, or downplay how significant this match is. I mean, this is this is the cup final for Scotland. It's all or nothing. There's no permutations here between other groups and goal differences. If Scotland win, they are through, and they've and they've made history for them by getting out of a group for the first time um, and I think it's there for them you know you, it's a home game as well at 12,000 and they'll sound a hell of a lot louder than that but confident genuinely I, I, I can't really call it but I think that I think they'll never have a better chance you need to stop asking us that Hugh honestly <laughs> when will you learn <laughs> the last time you and Henry Winter were on the podcast together he was the only one with anything positive to say about Scotland so I was going to ask you what you thought you know might happen tomorrow but I might as well ask Henry <laughs> You, you know what I did when when I walked out of uh, Wembley and I walked through the uh, the, the little Glasgow the uh, the press room which the uh, which Michael and his mates had uh, had colonised and uh, I just sort of said to them so listen well played Scotland um, be gentle on England and all I got was a nee chance. 
<laughs> because this is, you know, I've lived up there. I've got many sort of, you know, Scottish journalist friends. You know, if you've interviewed Andy Robertson, if you've listened to Kieran Tierney, I'm not sort of going to go down that road again, but I think they've got a fantastic chance against Croatia. I, t- I would like to see Armstrong come into midfield. I think Greg was completely right. Keep keep the defence the, the, the same. McTominay, I thought, was outstanding there. Just that one little wobble against uh, Sterling, but then I thought he was he was outstanding. And the Scots will be absolutely pumped up for this. For them to get through that midfield, you've got to keep that midfield strong against Croatia, and then you've got a chance. And I, I do hope you go through because I think it would be fantastic for, for for Scottish football. And you know, and what a tribute to the players' desire to do something for young Billy Gilmore, to do something for their country, for the you know the, the pride in the shirt. I think it would be fantastic. And you know, when I asked the sort of Scottish journalists, would they be gentle with England? I got a near chance. I'll flip that on its head. I think you've got a good chance against Croatia. Hugh, uh, my, my, my worry, Hugh, is, is that, you know, Wembley is, turns out to be the highlight. You know, I mean, Wembley was great and Scotland were great and they played really grown up football, which we haven't done enough of for years. But my worry is that it's, it's an anti-climax tomorrow night and, and we draw or we, or we lose. And, and, and again, we're just left clinging to one good performance, one kind of, you know, mini high in the campaign and, and, and ultimately failure. But, you know, as I said, it, it is there for them. It's there for them to seize it. Michael, just imagine you're playing England. <laughs> I know, I know, exactly. If only it was that easy, Hugh, hey, Henry. I was about to say, you, you, Michael, you actually do sound like someone who covers England because that's often what happens with England. <laughs> major There's one good performance. And I think the fear in England is that that performance against Croatia will be the highlight. Yeah. <laughs> Mini performance as it was. Yeah. And Michael, I know you can't stay with us too much longer. I will ask the other three this question before we end the podcast. Will we be sitting here in 24 hours' time with Wales, England and Scotland all into the knockout stages. What do you think? Yes. Yeah, I think we, I think we will. That's convincing. But, I mean, yeah, I know. I know. I, can I also give an answer saying no and you can just use the one that's, that seems to be correct? Michael Grant, pleasure to have you on the game podcast. Um, good luck tomorrow, of course. Uh, we'll keep our conversation ongoing, though, with uh, Henry, Matt and Gregor as we move to England, who, of course, face the Czech Republic. Uh, they look like they're going through, of course, but a win would make them top of the group. I wonder, Matt, do you think, will we see major changes for England tomorrow, whether that's a change of shape, whether we're going to see some faces that all the fans have been crying out for, the likes of Jane Sancho or Jude Bellingham? Well. A lot obviously depends on whether whether Mount is available, but what I understand to be the case is that if Mount isn't available, that Bellingham has got a very good chance of starting. That would certainly be exciting if, if he does. I think he will stick with Kane and Sterling. Obviously, he's confirmed he'll stick with Kane, but I think Sterling starts as well. But no, I, th- I think the big decision now is if, if he has lost Mason Mount, um, what he does in that sort of attacking midfield role. And um, I certainly, you know, that th- there's a bit of a clamour to, to bring Jordan Henderson in, but I certainly think it would be a backward step to go with uh, three defensively minded midfielders. So, yeah, I think Jude Bellingham is the, is, is the big shout at the moment. Is anyone feeling like there's pressure on Gareth Southgate in particular? Absolutely, he's under pressure. And I think... I think it's right in a way because I think we saw in the semi-final in Russia against Croatia his failure to react quickly and properly to the growing threat of Modric. 
the, the fact that he didn't get a grip of Billy Gilmore, the fact that he only made, what, two, three changes when he could have made five, the fact that they were like-for-like like changes, the fact that he didn't try and shake it up by doing something else. I think maybe the fact that England won the first game is meant that he gambled less in the uh, in the second game, and they were booed off the pitch. So, I mean, it's interesting talking to, to Southgate tonight for the sort of you know the separate um, print briefing. He was very aware that you know he, he has to go out there. England have to go out there and entertain. He's going to get his uh, decisions right. He made mistakes against Scotland, and he wants to put that right. Gregor, do they need to entertain? You know, to get the, the pressure off. No, I think they need to win. That's, they need to win. It would help if they won convincingly. But as I say, I, I didn't think they were particularly great against against Croatia, and there was a kind of wa- a wave of of optimism after that. You know, fairly a lot of the game fairly pedestrian. Um, so I think winning's the main the main thing. There is a definitely some, a bit of a kind of growing narrative about you know a bit of a dislike of the caution that seems to kind of. That seems that England seem to be playing with, and you know, I think in the in the, in the TV studios tonight, watching watching the game, and uh, uh, the, the pundits were kind of discussing are England the reflection of the manager, and so you know there is that slight slight group, you know, it's developing that is, and I think it would help if they entertained, but I think it doesn't matter at the end of the day. I said this the other night, France, I don't think are particularly entertaining. They have flashes of brilliance. And that's how they won the World Cup. Uh, Portugal weren't entertaining when they won the Euros last time. Not really. They had, they had moments and they had big players. They could do with a few big performances. That's what they could do with as well. Players really stepping up and having a, having a very big game. Harry Kane is one of them. Um, but the, main, the most important thing is they win. Matt, I would love to see England throw caution to the wind in this game. I'd love to see them try something different as well. That 3-4-3 might be their best way of going far in this competition. I've said it before on the podcast. Is tomorrow a day that they can experiment? Because, of course, the win is ultimately the most important thing. Well, they they can experiment to the, to the extent that they've already qualified now because of what happened, you know, the results of uh, tonight. So, so, so they're definitely through. Um, uh, so, so they can they can certainly throw a bit more caution to the wind. I think I think the big thing that you know, is not so much entertainment, but intensity is is I think what we need to see again. Um, that you know that they had flashes of it against Croatia. They had none of it against Scotland, and um, and I think there just needs to be a bit more urgency, a bit more, yeah, just just a bit more ambition. I think, in fairness to Southgate. We all came into this tournament really concerned about the back in the absence of Harry Maguire, you know, about the defence. And it didn't surprise us at all to see him stick in Calvin Phillips and Rice in front of the uh, back four. There is no need to do that in this game. There is no need to, to, to be quite so defensive in this game. So I do hope there is a bit more... There is a bit more adventure. Um, I think Henry in the paper this morning talks about bringing Foden back, you know, uh, you know starting with Foden again. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I just, 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 just let them play, you know, let, let them go for it a bit more. Let's just quickly, before we end the podcast, predict what I asked Michael Grant, I will ask the rest of you, whether we will be sitting here in 24 hours and England, who I think now are through, Wales are through as well. Scotland all into the knockout stages. And I might as well add something to it. Who do you think is going to go furthest? Gregor? 
Yes, look, we'll all be through. Um, that's that's the most kind of hopeful and optimistic that you'll ever get from me. I don't <laughs> <laughs> about Scotland's um, chances. I think, yeah. we, I think Wales Denmark has the makings of a cracker, and I think Wales are you know that's two two teams that have played with serious spirit and emotion, and we've seen that really take them take them far and uh, take them through. Um, so that's got the makings of a cracker. And I think Wales, but I think Wales could could beat Denmark. So I think Wales could still go go far. And I think England. It depends, as you say. If England win the group, then you're going to need to pull, pull something pretty special at the bag to get past whoever you come up against next. So I think Wales could go furthest. I agree. I totally agree with Gregor. I, I think Wales will beat Denmark. I think it was fantastic tonight. I think Southgate will want to try and win the group because I think he will want home advantage. But then I do fear like that, that German performance the other night, my word, very, very difficult team to beat. And I think Scotland, the one thing we haven't mentioned tonight is they are playing at Hamden again. And I think they can go through. So, yeah, I fear that it will indeed be Wales going furthest because I think they will get to the quarterfinal. Henry Winter with a final prediction. I agree. I think Wales will probably go the furthest. There's just something about them. There's that spirit, that camaraderie, the big players. I mean, Bale missed the, you know, the penalty the other day, but then some of his performance after that I thought was fantastic. And you know what I loved about them, and I just think it was just such a marvellous advertisement for football, is that they could have run them down the clock. They could have taken the ball down to the corner flag at 1-0, but they attacked and they attacked and they scored again. And I just thought that was just, that's the way the game should be played. It's not a cynical way to approach it, as many professionals would like. I just thought it was something very sort of uplifting in that. So, yeah, absolutely. If the Welsh continue to progress, more power to their elbow. Well, we've clearly got high hopes for the home nations in the knockout stages of Euro 2020, which is going to give us plenty to discuss over the coming weeks on the Game Podcast. Henry Winter, Gregor Robertson, Matt Lawton, thank you so much for joining me. More to come. I'm sure we're going to have a blockbuster tomorrow night reacting to those England and Scotland games. If you're enjoying the podcast, though, remember to make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And also make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times across all of your devices. If you sign up today, you can get it for less than a pound per day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. And we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.